Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D and the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout a product's lifecycle. Here, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Beyond 3D podcast. We are here with a good friend of ours, special guest, Chad Jackson, who is a research analyst at Lifecycle Insights, and he's a thought leader and blogger providing insights and te- on technologies that enable engineering. So if you didn't know that before, you have to go check out his blog. <laughs> <laughs> so, so welcome, Chad. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be on here. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, no, we're super excited to have you. And then, of course, we have uh, folks from TechSoft. We have Tyler Barnes, VP of Marketing. Hey, Tyler. Hello. And Dave Upsall, who is Vice President of Corporate Development. Hey, Dave. Hi, everybody. All right. So, Chad, the thing that we talk to you most about is MBD and MBE. But for those of our who are listening who may not know what those acronyms stand for, tell us a little bit about what those are, and actually even take one step back and say, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to focus on MBD and MBE. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, my background is uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by degree, and uh, I went and worked for a a software company for a good number of years that provided tools to mechanical engineers. But after that, I went to a, a research firm uh, worked there for a while, and then uh, back in 2010, launched Lifecycle Insights. And what I wanted to do with the company was to really focus on the technologies that enable engineers. You know, being an engineer today is a real challenge. Uh, you know, there's a lot of responsibilities uh, put on their shoulders, and I really try to look out for technologies that enable them to be more efficient and productive. So that's... Uh, that's my background uh, in the company. Okay. So what exactly is MBD and MBE? So there's like some different definitions and uh, sure. why don't we try and clear up any misconceptions on what that might be? Or So what's your definition of, of those two acronyms? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you will find a lot of different definitions out there. But in general, they're kind of in the same direction. So when you talk about MBD, which is model-based definition, It's basically the idea of what gets released from engineering is a model uh, that has been annotated, a 3D model that has been annotated. Uh, And that is meant to augment or in in some cases, in some companies, even replace uh, their traditional 2D engineering drawing. And the idea there is that, you know, the 3D model itself has the geometry itself has enough definition uh, that it can be directly interrogated and directly repurposed and reused without a drawing, uh, which is which is an interesting concept because there's the opportunity to save all sorts of time, both you know within engineering, but also downstream when you when you look at everybody that uses that engineering deliverable for them to kind of consume it on the back end. The the other acronym that that is mentioned is model based enterprise. 
And this is the idea, and, and actually you'll find more definitions around that than MBD. Uh, but basically, the, the concept is to use that model-based definition uh, in other applications. And that could be, you know, using it in owner's manuals for kind of visual representation. It means that you could use it to uh, automatically create NC tool paths for machining. It means it could be used um, in data packages that you share with suppliers for RFP or request for proposal types of processes. So I think nominally we're, we're kind of all in the same direction around those two things. There's a lot of nuances where there's differences, but in general, that's what it means. Okay. And we, what are some of the common misconceptions? Like, for example, is simple 3D on a page where maybe that's the model you can manipulate and like spin around, but there's no real data behind it. Is that like the very yeah. base level or does that not count yet? <laughs> you know, there's, there's all sorts of uh, kind of levels of maturity, but uh, let me step back and, and talk about misconceptions. So, you know, I think in the industry, we have talked about going drawingless uh, for a real long time. I mean, this is a concept that started you know, even 20 years ago is, is when we started talking about that idea. And I think it's a good vision. I think the, the, the idea that you can jump directly from using a 2D drawing as the you know authoritative source that defines the design, jumping from that to a 3D model that is fully annotated uh, and and not tape, taking steps in between, I think that's that's a misconception. I, I just don't see a lot of companies doing that. There that are there are intermediate steps, uh, kind of in between, and and also I think there's a misconception perhaps that the idea that you have to get to a 3D model plus an annotation is a false one as well. You know, you, you need to progress as far down the path towards that to where you get value out of it as a company. And, you know, while vision is good, ultimately you have to reap benefit. It has to make an impact uh, in efficiency or mm -hmm. hard dollars. So I think mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's really, really important. But in terms of the progression, you know, you can start off with a drawing. You can um, have the model and the drawing and maybe not have them connected because, you know, you're going to need to design a mold using the 3D model. You're not going to really use a drawing to do that today. Uh, there's the concept of using associated models and drawings that you make a change in one place, it ripples to the other. And then, you know, kind of the, the next level of progression is going to that model with annotations, uh, with a drawing and then without a drawing. So there's multiple steps. You got to figure out where you're going to get the most value. Okay. When you talk about how, um, you know, even for 20 years, there's been this talk about how eventually we'll get completely away from drawings. It yeah. almost draws a parallel in my mind of how, you know, with the advent of cloud and mobile, that everyone talks about how the desktop is dead and, and Tyler <laughs> and Dave, Tyler and Dave, we talk about this a lot internally, right? That, just because you're developing solutions for the cloud or for mobile doesn't mean that desktop goes away completely either, right? So in terms of what you're seeing with customers, uh, again, Dave and Tyler, how, how does that resonate with you about like the drawings going away or not going away? 
and any parallels you see between, uh, if there are parallels between desktop and mobile as well. Tyler, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. So, well, my my first thought when Chad was talking is that I, I think that uh, he's absolutely spot on about the idea that, you know, there's a progression that you walk down. And it's important, I think, that, that you know, solutions like uh, uh, some of the ones that our, our partners develop allow you to do that. In other words, you know, there's there's a reason why a lot of implementations of, you know, complex enterprise applications like ERP or PLM don't go particularly well. And it's because they don't have any ability to be adaptive to people wanting to progress through a series of, of uh, steps where they can learn as they go what might work best for them. I mean, I think you sometimes don't know what you don't know until you experience something. And if you, you know, have that ability to make a progression through a series of steps, you can wind up with a better solution. Uh, you know, we we talk in the MBE context about this being one of the really cool things about 3D PDF is is that you you have an infinite number of ways to implement using that technology, and it can go along, you know, in any any one of those steps, for instance. And I think that the parallel with cloud and mobile is kind of the same thing. You know, you if if you're a developer and you have a desktop application and you're thinking about getting into the cloud. You could start first by just, you know, creating a, you know, a community site or something like that where you're sharing designs. You know, people like GrabCAD have done things like that. You can create a, a companion mobile app to data that you maybe are collecting and storing up on the cloud. You know, it, it, those two technologies do allow you, I think, to do that same kind of, you know, learn as you go and, and invest a piece at a time. It's the exact opposite of you know, I, I need to implement a new ERP system. Here's five years and $10 million and use it or die. You know, it, it's, it, yeah. it's just not a way to do something. Yeah. Great points. And so when it comes to, you know, model-based definition or, or folks who are truly turning the, you know, becoming a model-based enterprise, what are you seeing, Chad, when you talk to the different companies you talk with of all different sizes, right? Do you yeah. see that there's, the smaller companies do it one way, bigger companies do it another, or is it really kind of the same process for getting into it? No, I think I think there's a, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and there's a right way to do it. Um, and I think if I was to kind of overgeneralize it, it, the companies that don't don't treat this as a check in the box type of initiative. Uh, are the ones that are going to succeed and have been succeeding. And, and what I mean by that is that when we transitioned from, you know, 2D CAD to 3D parametric CAD, it was, you know, there was training that happened. You know, how do you build a, a 3D feature-based model? But, you know, the benefits were self-evident. And, and it, it was something you could realize almost instantly. Uh, but with... With something like this, I mean, what you got to realize with MBD and MBE is it is a process. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the reason I call it a process is, you know, anytime you're involving more than one type of role in your company in some type of interaction, it's a process. It's not a procedure. It's a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and that means that you have to prepare the one role to, you know, create the, the right deliverable, you know, engineering in this case. And for every other role that is going to be involved in the process, you have to prepare them to accept a new deliverable 
and know what they want to do with it and know, you know, where they're going to uh, experience benefits uh, and how to do their job in a new way. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's the culture and process side that needs to be taken care of. And what, what's fascinating to me about this is that this being an engineering type of initiative tends to be very technically focused, right? I mean, does does the software have this button and does it do it this way? Mm-hmm. When really, you know, technology is no longer the big challenge here. Um, I ran a, a study uh, a couple of years ago asking people to rank the challenges and, you know, the, the technologies used to create these types of deliverables and consume these deliverables were dead last. Oh, really? Other, Interesting. Dead last. And things like ROI and culture change and process change were right there at the top. top so mm-hmm. don't treat this as a check in the box type of initiative. You got to know what benefits you're going to realize. You got to understand the process and the implications for roles. I think that's, that's the most important thing for sure. And so go ahead, Tyler. And I was just saying, we're, we see the same things with our with our customer. I think Chad Chad made some really good points in there. Um, one of the one of the effective ways that that we you know in talking with customers that have been successful with these initiatives is they they treat it as it's it's a strategy, right? It's a it's a business strategy that includes process change and and technology, and they have a they have goals in mind in terms of um, what kind of benefits they want to see from that, whether it's reduce time spent on documentation, whether it's, you know, a reduction in the number of emergency situations they have, figuring out why parts don't fit together, things like that. And they they don't approach it as a, you know, we're going to be done with this next year. It's, there are milestones we want to hit and we want to be doing more and more of this. There's value to this data, um, not just in manufacturing, but for all of these downstream applications. And you're never really quite done. And if you if you treat it that way as it's a strategic approach to you know simplifying certain parts of the product development process, there are always areas where you can improve. Um, but there's also you know there are a number of benefits that you can get along the way. You're not either you know you're not you're not just starting or done. You're you're in in kind of in a, in a journey phase. So it kind of sounds like this is one of the big misconceptions is that the mistake would be going to a, a engineering firm or maybe even a services firm saying, I need MBD. Do you do MBD? And it's, it doesn't work that way. Right. No. <laughs> like I need you to I, sell me some MBD. Like, so how, uh, <laughs> how, you know, you, so you said that there are firms that there's a right way to do it and, you know, maybe a wrong way or maybe the hard way. Right. So what yeah. would be your advice on if someone was looking to, start this process? What's the, what's the right way to get started? Is it looking at across the company and saying, where, where do we start to implement this? And then how, what, what, how would you advise someone to get started on that? Well, um, for me, I think, I think it's important to identify kind of two phases. One is the output out of engineering. You know, what, what is your current deliverable? What is it going to be your new deliverable? And then, the the input for other processes and there's kind of there's kind of three categories in my mind one is you know reviewing applic- applications of MBD which is could be a supplier putting together a bid or assessing serviceability then you have derivative applications of MBD which is 
creating NC toolpaths, creating CMM toolpaths, and then a third uh, kind of application area is repurposing, right? So you're taking that model and you're using it in manufacturing instructions or owner's manuals and kind of visually you're reusing it. So you need to both plan out what's your current and new deliverable coming out of engineering and then what is the current and new process look like in one of those three areas and you start i would suggest you start with one and also identify the benefit you want to achieve right so if you're if you're going to be reusing an mbd coming out of engineering for say a service procedure instruction that should help you increase your first time resolution rate on service calls. If you're going to be using it for supplier data packages, it should increase their accuracy of quote and hopefully lower the quote, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to understand what the benefit is going to be to the organization, hopefully in hard dollars, and you need to understand the input and the output. That That's how I would approach it. Okay. And do you have just for our listeners and we can include in the show notes, do you have some uh, research papers that sort of set the baseline for here's what MBD is and how you can get started. And then even some case studies of here are some companies that have seen some major, you know, transformations in their business. So they've saved time cost and, you know, it's affected their bottom line. Maybe we can include some links to those in our, in our notes. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have some, research reports and ebooks that talk exactly to that. But actually, in two days, uh, we're launching the survey for a new MBD study and it focuses on... Oh, cool. Yeah, it it focuses on the ROI of MBD. So it looks specifically at how people are using MBD in the company and we're correlating that to different types of benefits, both qualified, like, hey, we're reducing the number of ECOs, and quantified, uh, such as reducing the amount of time engineers spend on engineering documentation. So that's in two days, and the survey will be open through the middle of September, and then we're going to be talking about results at the, the 3D CIC event in Colorado. That's, uh, that's cool. going to be the first kind of sneak peek of the findings. Very cool. Well, yeah. um I'm not sure if this podcast will air, it'll probably air after you've closed the survey, but uh, I think once the research, the results are published, we'll, we'd love to include a link to that as well. Um, yeah, that'd be perhaps, great. Perhaps your your presentation at the, um, what was the acronym again, CIC? Yeah, uh, Collaboration yeah, and Interoperability. <laughs> it's a mouthful, it's a mouthful. I, I'm just having acronym overload today, so <laughs> I'm getting them all confused. Yeah. Um, but one other thing I wanted to, to touch on that kind of goes back to uh, misconceptions before we, we wrap this call up, goes back to some research that you're uh, working on, and that's how you know engineers are spending their time. Yeah. And they don't just sit at their desk all day and design. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. Because I think that's an important, it's also important from a cultural standpoint to understand people's roles and what people do and expectations and communication. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this is, uh, the study you're talking about is the hardware design engineer 
survey or study that I conducted in 2015. And basically what I wanted to understand is, you know, how are engineers spending their time? What technologies are they using? What do their responsibilities look like? So there's there were two fascinating findings for me. In, in one question I asked, I had a bank of responsibilities. In total, there were 12. And on average, uh, hardware engineers have 7.3. Okay, and, and one of those, just one, is documenting their designs. Other ones are things like making design decisions, you know, predicting performance, managing projects, all that type of stuff. So engineers today, and, and, and this is why kind of my mandate is to go out there and look at technologies that help engineers because these, these folks are super duper busy. They're overloaded. So that's, that's one issue. The other issue that I looked at, how frequently um, or how often are you at different locations? And, and for example, uh, regularly and occasionally, 99% uh, say they're at their desk, right? Uh, but 83% uh, stated there regularly and occasionally in companies' conference rooms, <laughs> Seven, 71% in the company's production environment, so on the shop floor, hmm. uh, 24% in the supplier's office, and 31% in the customer's office. So th the reality today is that, yeah, they, they do spend a lot of time at the desk, right, and they can be productive there, but they are also running – around all these different locations as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at adopting new initiatives or, or strategies to improve engineering and design productivity, you got to take that into account. You, you got to find a way to make them more productive on the go. Hmm. Tyler and Dave, I'm curious, is um, you work with customers when we talk about the culture change and the mindset change what's been your experience with customers as they go through that change is it and i'm guessing everybody has a bit of a different experience right some embrace it some resist it for those that embrace it what seems to be the the clincher that gets them to embrace it is it an age thing is it a you know i don't know um well, I think I don't know. For, for me, what could for it me, be? it's leadership. It's leadership driven. Um, mm, you know, I think mm -hmm. in order for what Chad's been talking about to actually take place, there there has to be you know a conversation within the company about why we're doing this, what we expect. So not not from the specific you know pick the one thing to do it, but that Chad was talking about. But just before you even start on it, if you don't have that kind of general support about why we're even going into that first one. Uh, and that conversation hasn't taken place, then, you know, people don't have a way of prioritizing how they support it and how they put it into practice. And I think mm -hmm. that that is really, really important. Um, where it's been successful, that's that's what you that's what you see is you've got that leadership there. I, at least that's my experience anyway. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? It comes from the top down. And if mm -hmm. um, if because even if you have people at the bottom or, you know, in the lower levels that believe in it, if your leadership doesn't buy into it and doesn't approve it, you know, and doesn't empower you to, to move forward with it, then it doesn't go anywhere. So that's a great point. But it's, but it's not a one-time thing either. And I think that's the other thing is, is that, you know, you, you, it's, it's not a, it's not something you speechify about. It's something that you, you actually, I use the word leadership really deliberately. You, you have to actually 
own the fact that you're going to continue to drive this initiative over time because, you know, people are going to want to see that. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we have come up on our time, but given the upcoming research that you've got going on, Chad, and there's just so much else to talk about, we, we hope that you'll join us again on another episode. Yeah, that'd be great. But before you go, we do have one last question that we'd like to ask our, our guests, and that is, if there's one final piece of advice or a call to action that you'd like to leave with our listeners, what would that be? On MBD, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that... Uh, my one piece of advice is to not treat it like a checkbox initiative because that, that really is when you can get into the most trouble. You, I, I wish it was, by the way, you know, I really, <laughs> I, I really wish it that was easy, but when the you take, easy button, right? Like the staples, easy button, you yeah. just click MBD button. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you really do, you know, like, like Dave said, you need some executive buy-in sponsorship. Uh, you need to, you need to understand the implication for the roles. You need to understand how your processes are going to change and you need to understand the benefit that you're going to realize and stay focused. I mean, don't, don't move on, uh, to the, to another phase until, until you've re- realized that, uh, that, that would be my takeaway. Okay. I, and I would say also be patient, right? Like if yes, doesn't right. happen overnight, or within a week, you gotta gotta stick with it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a great point. Well, I think that's a ba- a great piece of advice, and like I said, we'll include some links to your research in our show notes, so that if our listeners want to know more, they can either read the research um, itself or go to your website and and poke around and see what they can find, and even reach out to you directly um, yeah. if they have some questions. So, thanks so much for joining us, Chad. Uh, it's been really insightful. I think we covered some good stuff here. Yeah, and thanks for having me. This is this is always great. I love these conversations. No, well, I uh, hope to have you on again. And uh, Tyler and Dave, as always, thank you for your time. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, sure. And to those listening out there, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We hope you will subscribe. If you haven't already, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please share Beyond 3D with your colleagues and friends and other engineers that you know or people in the industry. And uh, leave us a review if you're so if you enjoy the conversation and you like listening to us. Please leave us a review on iTunes. That'll help more people in the industry discover us and listen to our lovely voices. And uh, with that, I will say uh, have a great day and, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast hosted by TechSoft 3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about TechSoft 3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D.